Hi, we are here for week three of this series, which is called For Good. And in this series, we've been talking about what it means to do good in the world, what it means to do our best, what it means to treat others like we'd want to be treated. And, and through that, to that accord, uh, we've been talking just about how we see other people to begin with and how that should matter and what, what the way we treat others, what the way we act around others really, truly tells who we serve. Uh, we spoke about numbers and how in week one, so many people tend to look at people as opponents or as the opposite or based on what they look like, what they believe, based on the number that they are. And, and because of that, they stop seeing them as a person. They stop seeing them as, as someone who has feelings, someone who has hope, someone who has dreams, someone who cares, someone who matters. And, and it's so important to remember that we are all people. And from there, we talked uh, about how Jesus said, it's the doctors that, that or the doctors reach out to those that are sick because they are the ones that need the doctors. And just what it means to, to understand that we are no better than anyone else and no, no one else is better than us. This week I want to go uh, again towards common ground. And that's something that I want to talk about. I'll explain the shoe in a little bit. But uh, I'm going to start with 1 Corinthians 9, 17 through 27. If I were doing this of my own initiative, I would deserve payment, but I have no choice, for God has given me this sacred trust. What then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without cha charging anyone. That's why I never demand, demand my rights when I preach the good news. This is Paul speaking. And, and in his day, he was talking about just how pastors uh, and speakers, missionaries, would get a certain allowance of, of the funds, of the offering, of the food, of whatever. And he's like, I don't take that. No, he's not saying that to, to stand up above everybody else or to shame the people that do. He's saying that because what he is doing, how he is living for Christ, how he is treating others is who he is. And it's what he's been called to do. Uh, so often we look at doing good based on a couple of things. We look at it based on what we can get out of it. Now, now, not necessarily pay, but just if people will notice, if people will say something, if people will think something, if people will be like, oh man, they're so nice. I can't believe that they, they washed my car. I can't believe they, they shoveled the snow. I can't believe they carried my books. They held open the door. We think things like that. Now, that's not why we do good sometimes, but that goes through our minds. And because of that, sometimes when we do good and nobody thanks us or nobody says, hey, good job, or nobody pats us on the back, we're like, well, what was the point? Now, again, we don't use that as motivation, but it's something that is there. And Paul is saying, like, yeah, that's not why we do this. The other thing that we tend to do and the other thing that we really have to watch going forward, just as we grow, as we learn from this year, as we learn from our past, as we learn from other generations, as we learn from the Bible, from Jesus, we tend to do good for those that we understand. We tend to do good seeking to do good for those that we like, for those that we agree with. Uh, if we see a community or we see a people or we see a person or we see a group, and it's like, yeah, I don't really like them. I don't agree with them. I don't think that that's a good thing. We don't really want to go help them. Now, imagine, and I've done this a lot, but imagine if Jesus had lived like that. Imagine if Jesus, as he's walking along, is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've got to do miracles, and I really want to help people, but that person over there, he's a Roman, and he doesn't like me. Or that woman, she's a Samaritan, and yeah, I just really don't want to, to go there. Or fishermen, man, no, gross. They smell, and they're dirty, and, and they're kind of crude. Or tax collectors, no way. He didn't do that. He even talked to the Pharisees who were actively hating him. And yet we 
today and for a long time, we tend to do that. And this goes back to how we see people as numbers, how we see people as opponents, how we see people as we walk into a room and we're the centerpiece of everything. Even if I'm talking without ego, we walk into a room and we're the centerpiece. And so when we walk out, uh, everybody agrees with us or everybody that doesn't agree with us, they go off to their corners and they sit there and they wait for us to come back because we, that's what we think. Uh, I saw something uh, on the internet this week, and it was really cool, and I, I don't know that I'm going to get it exactly right, but it was basically, it's not your opinions that bring change to the world. It's your witness. It's your example. It's who you are. It's who you serve. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus, and I've said this before, and other people have too, Jesus, out of everyone in the history of time, was the only person who could have walked out and said, this is what you have to do and you're stupid for not listening to me, and you stink, and you're not cool, and you're just not worth it, you're just not as good as me. And he could have said that, and he could have looked down on everybody and judged everybody and said, hey, you're condemned, like you're not as good as me. You're not doing that well. And he could have done that, and yet he didn't. So if the person who was most able to do that didn't do it, why would we? Why would we get so caught up in opinion, so caught up in what we agree with and what we want and what we think and forget that we are here for a reason. Forget that to do good means to do good. It doesn't mean to hand out applications and be like, hey, now, if you match up on 17 out of 20 of the things that I like or the things that I agree with, then I'll help you. Now, you get into things like, well, what about money? And what about food? And what about all this? I'm not going to tell you how to help people. What I'm going to tell you is that we are called to do good. We are called to be an example. We are called to be like Jesus. And Jesus did not discriminate. Jesus did good. Jesus was good. Jesus lived up to his message. I want to go on to the next message, next part of the scripture. Uh, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people uh, to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, uh, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring Christ to those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. This is Paul talking. And what he's saying here is really revolutionary. It's really uh, progressive. It's really amazing to look at this. And he came after Jesus, who was also a revolutionary, who also went against society, who also went against what people expected to do what was right, to follow God's law, to follow what was right, not to go against what he believed ever. But Paul, when he says, when I was with the Jews, I, I followed their customs. When I was with people who followed the Jewish law, I followed that. When I was with the Gentiles, I followed that. He's not saying that he changed his beliefs every week. He's not saying that he went against things that, that he truly held, held close as dogma, as doctrine. He's saying that if he was in a Jewish household and they're like, yeah, we don't eat pork. He wouldn't pull out a thing of bacon and start eating it. Uh, when he would walk into a household where they take their shoes off, he wouldn't like just walk around and be like, yeah, I don't believe in that, guys. When he would walk somewhere and there were people wearing masks, he wouldn't rip his off and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. look at me. He never thought he was above the message. He never believed that he was above the message. And again, he did not change his beliefs. He believed strongly in the law of Christ, in the work of Christ, in the glory of Christ. And he never changed his morals. He never changed his values. But he did not let little things stop him from doing good for others. 
he would find common ground. He would not become like, but he would walk in their shoes. My title is, I don't know where it went, but my title uh, that was up while ago was a picture of a shoe. Now, it was a Jordan shoe because he's the greatest of all time, but it's also because I really liked that picture of the, the darkness in the shoe. Because what goes along with common ground is walking in other people's shoes. And so that's what Paul did when he was with Jewish people who believed differently, who acted differently, who thought differently. He would walk in their shoes. Again, he did not change what he believed. He did not change how he worshipped Jesus. But he would walk with them to not shame them, to not condemn them, to not make them feel stupid, to tell them, hey, this is what Jesus brings to you. When he was with the Gentiles, same thing. Like he didn't go against everything that he believed. But he would walk in their shoes. He would look at them and be like, what do they stand for? One of the things that I've said before, and one of the things that I'll probably say frequently in my life, uh, we tend to think, and I'm guilty of this too, that anyone who disagrees with us does so just to tick us off. That they're just doing that to, to be wrong, to be contrarian, to be a devil's advocate. That's mostly not how life works. Now, are there people that do that? Absolutely. Do we do that sometimes? Absolutely. For the most part, people believe or live how they believe or live. It has nothing to do with us. And so when we walk in their shoes, again, it's not saying, oh, well, you know, all our beliefs are the same or all our truth is the same. It's not saying that. It's not saying, oh, I'm going to change to be like them. Again, not saying that. It's saying, hey, why would they think that? Why would they vote that way? Why would they care about that? Why would they like that team? Why would they uh, look that way? Why would they listen to that? Why would they believe that? Why? Not so that we can go up and be like, hey, look, I looked into this and this is why you're so stupid and wrong. This is why you're so messed up. And believe me, I know that in the school and in your work and in anywhere else you go, a lot of people are, are doing that to you. They're like, yeah, the Bible, this is why it's messed up. And yet we are called to be different, not to be just like everyone else. And, and so to find common ground, to walk in their shoes, is to look at what they believe, to look at where they are, to look at what they think, to look at all of those things. And be like, okay, well, what would the motivation be there? What would they think there? And again, not so that we change ours, but so that we understand theirs. Uh, when I was at my last church, I taught a Sunday school class uh, every year, every couple years, whatever it was. And it was uh, world religions and cults. And so I would go through different religions. And, and each week I would talk about what they believed. And, and then like at the end of each class, I would talk about how it was different from what we believe. And then why we believe what we believe and what could be different. And the object wasn't to say, hey, look, we're so much better than them. Or to say, hey, look, you should go follow this group. Not at all. It was to say, look, if you understand why other people do what they do, if you try to understand people, first, you're going to see them as people. And that's important. It's vital. And second, you're going to be like, okay, well, this is what they value. And this is important to them. So if I show them that I respect that, if I show them that I respect them, then maybe they'll listen to me. Now, that's not to say that if you go up to someone who believes differently, let's say you go up to a, a Jewish person and you're like, yeah, you know, I really respect the Torah and I really respect where this came from. And, you know, I believe in the Old Testament too and all these things. And it's like, yeah, we share this. Uh, by the way, Jesus is the Savior and you're wrong about the Messiah thing. And that's like your tag. You're not really understanding. But if you say, listen, we have some differences, but look at what we have in common. Let's just talk. 
Because again, our goal is not in every conversation to convert. In every time we do good for someone to convert. In every instance that we meet someone to convert. That's not what we're here for. We are here to show people why that matters. We are here to do good. Uh, Jesus walked around with 12 people most of the time. He was only successful with 11 of them. Now that's not to say he was not successful. But only 11 of them listened. And so definitely we are not going to have a 100% success ratio. People aren't going to see us do good and hear us uh, talk about Jesus and listen to our testimony and be like, wow, I want to be just like them. They're not. But we make a difference. And it goes up and up and up and it builds and we plant seed and someone else comes and waters it and someone else comes and plants some more and someone else comes and puts some fertilizer down. And we keep going and that's why we do good and that's why we live and that's why we are here. Uh, Throughout this series, just because it happens to be in November, I've talked a lot about what's been going on in the public. Just what's been going on politically and what's been going on on every side of the aisle and on people hating people and people going against each other. It was never a perfect system ever. There was always arguments, there were always disagreements. But it feels like to me, and this may just be because I'm old now, but it feels like people used to be willing to listen more. Now, if you're there and your parents are with you and you're nodding your head like, yeah, that's right. Everybody else used to listen more. Guess what? We stopped listening along the way, too. We started buying the hype. Because we know we're right and that's good. That's vital. But it changed how we lived and it changed how we treated other people. And we look at Paul. Who was outside of Jesus. I feel good in saying the most successful Christian minister of all time. You could argue that Billy Graham reached more people because of uh, the TV and because of his books, and maybe. But Paul was at the ground. He was one of the cornerstones of this faith. He started churches. He was right there when he could have died, when he did get arrested. And he did good. He was not perfect. And he got in heated arguments sometimes, I would imagine, but he learned from it and he grew and he moved forward. Jesus absolutely... When he was walking around, he probably felt frustration. In fact, I feel like I can guarantee he felt frustration at people who who would just be wrong. At people who would be jerks. At people who would yell at him. At people who would disagree with him. He felt that. And yet, his example mattered so much more. And then his words matched that. And how he helped people. How he did good matched that. Another part of scripture. When I am with those who are weak... I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Uh, Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessings. Uh, It's important to see a couple words in here before I go to the main point of this paragraph. Uh, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. He doesn't say that he takes their weaknesses. He doesn't say that he becomes like them. He shares it, which means he understands. If he's with someone who is struggling with alcoholism, with drug addiction, with sex addiction, with cheating, with lying, with stealing, with whatever, he doesn't immediately become like that. But he looks at them and he's like, hey, you know what? I get how that could happen. I once struggled with blah, 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 or I knew somebody who did this. Because he understood them. And he knew that they mattered. And he says the other thing here, uh, so that I can save some. 
That's not because he was walking around with a checklist saying, okay, I want to save that person because I like them. I want to save that person because they have the right uh, school colors on. I want to save that person because they went there, because they do that, because they have that last name. Some because he understands it's not a 100% thing. Now, that doesn't mean you try less. It doesn't mean that you only act like a Christian sometimes. We're always doing this. We're always doing good. We're always helping. It's just we're not going to be 100% successful. And we can stop and we can look at that and be like, man, this sucks. I'm never going to get everybody to understand how important heaven is, how important Jesus is. Or we can be like, okay, I'm not going to get everybody to understand this, but if I can help one person see this, and if I can help another person see this, if someone else sees this, if my example makes this difference for them, and then their example makes this difference for them. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I spoke about Jesus and the woman at the well. And how he spoke to her and he treated her like a person and he didn't speak over her and he didn't hit her in the face with the Bible and he didn't do anything that would make her feel stupid. He told her the truth. He told her what she'd sinned. But he went with the conversation and the relationship building. <laughs> and then she went from there and talked to someone else who talked to someone else. And then that whole town came to see him. That's why we're here. To show people, to talk to them. And to find common ground. Again, not to be like everyone else. To stand out. But to find common ground. One of the things that you'll see if you go on any Facebook page or on any news site that's on one side or the other. You will see them saying, well, this is why Democrats are so evil. This is why Republicans are so evil. This is why blah, 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 blah. Do you know why that is a thing that people do? Because if we are hating each other and arguing with each other and, and looking at how awful everybody else is, we don't look at the people in charge and we don't look at the people that make the laws and we don't look at the people that, that are in control. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, I hate my brother over there because he believes he votes differently than me. We don't stop and look, well, why are political parties here anyway? Now, I'm not going to change politics here and I'm not going to go into politics here. But what I'm saying is, if we are so focused in what makes us different with other people, how are we ever going to make a change? How are we ever going to be a change? How are we ever going to stand up? I would imagine that when you go to school, there is no shortage of people who make fun of you. Maybe not to your face, but when they find out you're a Christian, when they find out you won't cheat, when they find out you won't drink, whatever it is, when they find out you take a stand, they'll make fun of you. When they find out you go to youth or you go to church or you take time aside, they'll make fun of you. Maybe not in an obvious way, but in a like eye-rolling way. I got that. That happened to me a lot. It still happens to me for a lot of things. I'm easy to make fun of. And the temptation is to go right back at them. Uh, like our moms used to say, and mine still does, they only do that because they're jealous of you. And when, you know, that's a nice comforting thought for mom. Thanks, mom. Thanks all the moms. But it also puts us in this against them mentality. Which again, that's not the purpose of the mom saying it. They're comforting. But for us, if we look at it like, well, they're jealous of me, so I don't care about them. Or it's like, hey, I'll go pop them in the face too. I'll go do this right back to them. I'll go insult them right back. What are we doing? What's the point? Like, who's ever going to change? If we are just like everyone else, there's literally no reason to go to church. None. I've lived my life in church. I was brought into church when I was two years old by my great-grandma. And she made sure I was there every Sunday and Wednesday. Have I missed times yet? Am I perfect? Absolutely not. We could have a space in the comments section where a bunch of people could start commenting on ways that I'm not perfect. 
I get that, and I could join right in. But how I live matters to me. And it's not for the success rate, and it's not for pay, and it's not for this, and it's not for that. It's not because I have a forum. It's because even though I don't like myself very much, I still understand that people see me, people watch me, people listen to me. And so my example is very important to me. It's very important to me that I'm able to help other people when I can. And the other pastors here, and the other staff members, and the other adults, and your parents, they can all say that. If you only help the people, if you only do good for the people that like you, you're not doing anything. I mean, sure, you're helping Mr. Mitchell down the street. That's nice. But what about the lady that lives next door that you don't like because, yeah, weird music or weird car? Whatever. Again, and I go back to this, and I'll go back to this, and I'll go back to this. What if Jesus had the same mentality that so many of us have today? Well, I disagree with them, so I'm not going to help them. I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not going to listen to their problem. I'm not going to care about them. The bad news there, besides the obvious, is at a certain point, we mess up. And had Jesus gone that way, then when we mess up, he would have been like, yeah, you messed up. You're different than me now. See ya. And yet, he's the opposite of that. He stands strong and he taught through his message, through his words, through his disciples. He taught them. He taught Paul. He taught all of these future generations to stand strong, to do good. When we hear the phrase, do good, in this, this series, for good, we think, okay, well, I've got to go and, and rake leaves, and I've got to go and do this mission work. Yeah, that's good. It is. But it also means showing love to other people. It also means listening when someone needs to talk. It also means not posting a negative comment about someone or what they think on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter or on Snapchat or Tumblr or whatever else. And I'm going to stop. It also means not joining in when you're talking behind somebody's back and not talking behind their back. It also means not hating people. Doing good is sometimes as simple as just being the opposite of bad. Because again, there's no shortage in the world of people who will make us and others feel bad about themselves. We are called to be different. We are called to find common ground. Again, not to believe what everybody else believes. Not to, to, to say that, oh, well, we're all equal in, in belief, in truth, and blah, blah, blah. But to find common ground and to understand that people are people. To understand that we are to be like Jesus. Last part of the scripture. Don't you realize that, it, that, this, that in a race everyone runs. Uh, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what others, what to training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So, uh, I am no stranger to the desire to win. I want to win literally everything, even if I don't have a chance. Uh, I play fantasy football, and I want to win every week, even if I don't have a full roster, because this year's nuts. Uh, I want to win in wiffle ball. I want to win when we play games here. I want to win every single time I do anything because I'm competitive. Uh, I like to say that I have the competitive drive of Michael Jordan with none of the talent. 
It is what it is. But what Paul is saying is not that competitive drive. But what he's saying is athletes that win, they train. Jordan, gifted physically, gifted naturally. But he also worked from morning to night. Tom Brady, who I'm sure that a lot of people hate because he's handsome and rich and used to play for the Patriots. Same thing. You know, he's got a lot. He was born on third base in some ways. But he works hard. He's there every day working hard. He's in his 40s and he's still working hard. I can go through great athletes. The great ones. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, whoever else. They worked hard at it. They trained. They did nothing but train. They did nothing but work. And then you can look at others who didn't quite do it enough. And so we'll talk about their careers in like, ah, oh, you know, what if they'd done this? Or if this had gone differently? When it comes to Christianity, the win is not the same as a race or a, a sporting event. The win is showing people who Jesus is. Making him known. Being an example. And training means you read the Bible. It means that you pray. It means that you go to church. It means that you listen to the pastor. It means you do your best. It means that you love other people. It means that you help other people. It means that you set an example. It means that you train by doing everything you can to be like Jesus. And winning is understanding that we already won. We're already going to heaven if you follow him. But winning is when someone else sees that love, feels that love. And then hopefully down the line they change. Hopefully down the line they understand it. But our win is just telling them, showing them, being like Jesus, making him known, doing everything we can to find common ground. Not to change our beliefs, but to say, hey, I care about you as a person. I'm not just trying to lift up my numbers and people that I've talked to and friends and, and Christian con converts. I'm here to show you, hey, I care about you even if you say no to going to church. Again, Jesus at the well. It's such a perfect example and I go back to it a lot. She changed the subject on it. Most of us would have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen to me. Jesus, who could have done that because he's perfect and always right. Said, oh yeah, well let me answer your question. Because he saw her as a person. Doing good. Being a force for good. Finding common ground. Understanding that we're not better than other people. All of these things tie into being like Jesus. The reason we're doing it this time of year is not just because of the politics, although there's no shortage of people showing us how to do the opposite of Jesus, regardless of party affiliation. The reason we're doing this is because at Thanksgiving time and Christmas time, people are looking. They're looking for hope, especially this year. Now, we can't be that hope because we're not Jesus, but we can point the way to that hope just by smiling, just by waving, just by doing good, just by being like him. And you're thinking, but I'm just a kid, or I'm just a parent, or I'm just a teen, or I'm just a college student, or I'm just a blah, blah, blah. The disciples were pretty young. David was pretty young. Methuselah was pretty old. Noah was pretty old. Like, there's examples of every single age group. Our calling is to be different than the world. Not to, to shame or insult or embarrass them, but to stand out and to show what it means to be a force for good. To show what it means to be like Jesus. To look at Jesus' example and be like, wow, 
He did everything right, and people still hated him. And to be like, okay, well, I'm going to do my best. Because I love him, and because he loves me, and because he has taught me to stand up. So as we go through this week, and as we go through the end of school, and whatever else happens with COVID, and whatever else happens with this year, remember, it's not your opinion that will change lives. It's not your opinion that will make that light come on in people's eyes. It's not your opinion that points people to Jesus. It's your example. It's treating them like a person. It's acting like Jesus. It's living like Jesus. It's being like Jesus. Not being afraid to share the message. Making sure that how we share it matches up with how we live. And you can do that regardless of the age, regardless of where you are, regardless of who you are. I'm going to end with this, and then I'll end with something else. This is a time in which a lot of people, like I said, are struggling to find hope. One of the things that I say to myself, because I struggle with that, is as long as there is life, there is hope. And Jesus is the truth. He is the way, He is the life. As long as there is life, there is hope. So show others that there is hope, that there is light in the darkness, that they do matter, that you do love them no matter what. And then do everything you can to be like Jesus and to do good. That's all I got.